job. And uh, please, after the service, if you get a chance, go talk to them and tell Mino. Mino, that's a great voice. And Lanto, wow, wonderful. Um, <laughs> so please, um, they're, they're just do a great job. They, they come and they practice. They pray, you know, so that we can have a very good experience, you know, on Sunday. So we thank them for the sacrifice and their willingness to lead us in worship every Sunday. So welcome, everybody. Uh, I want to take you today to the letter of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 20. And I want to speak on the subject of beyond your wildest dreams. And this verse of the Bible that we're going to read right now, it's a very personal verse for me because I have seen it take place in my life. Now, I understand that some of you today, maybe you might be struggling with something. You might be facing a difficult situation. Uh, you might be facing a problem, maybe a sickness, uh, something, you know, happening in your life. And maybe you might be at, at a point right now where you feel, well, Franklin, um, how can I apply that verse to me? How is that verse, you know, a reality for me? And I want to share with you that God is able to do things. Not only things, great things in your life. Uh, we're going to read Ephesians 3.20. And the Bible says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work with us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have to read your scripture, Lord God, and apply it in our lives. I pray, Father God, today that we open our hearts, that we open our minds, and not only that, Lord, but I pray, Lord God, that we will take this scripture and we will apply it to our lives because you are a great God, and you are faithful, Lord God. Even if we're not faithful, the Bible says that you continue to be pray that you bless this time, Lord God, and help us uh, believe, help us follow you, Lord God, and help us believe that you, not only are you able, you can, Lord God, do even beyond what we think or expect or imagine. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, as you know, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to visit El Salvador for a few days, and those of you who came to the life group on Thursday, I gave you a little description of how it was for me when I came out of the plane. Uh, of course, I was reading the news. I was reading, you know, everything that was happening over there. And as of right now, uh, El Salvador is one of the three most dangerous countries in the world. I mean, the stories that I saw, that I heard, uh, that people share with me, it's, they're like really, really incredible. Things that happen, you know, when it comes to violence. And as I started going out with my family and my sister to different towns, different cities, uh, I was always in a position of alertness. Um, we would go to stores, we would go to the dentist, we would go to other towns, and, and me and my sister and my family, this was me, you know, walking over there. You know, I was walking and going like this. Not to everybody, because I, I was in a position of alertness, and my sister told me, Franklin, why are you so nervous? 
and I said, well, I'm a little nervous, not too much, but you know what? If somebody wants to come and hurt me, I, I'm going to get my shoe and I'm going to do whatever it takes, but I'm not going to let anybody, you know, just come to me and hurt me. So, um, and then once I came to the United States, came back, you know, as soon as I came out of the, the airport, I felt like I rested. I was like, thank you, God, for bringing me back safe. Because I was really concerned about me going back. Um, when I was over there, just to share with you a little bit of what happened, um, a month and a half before me going to the strip, a group of gangsters, like about 20 gangsters, show up in my dad's church in the middle of the service. And they asked my dad, that they asked one of the, the elders of the church that they wanted to speak to my dad. And my dad was preaching. So my dad told the gangsters to wait outside until he finished preaching. And uh, when my dad finished the service and he went outside, uh, the leader of the gang told my dad, we are coming from this part of town and we're taking possession of this building. So we don't want you and your people in this building by next Sunday. You have to be out. We're going to take this building. So my dad said, okay, so what time are you guys coming next Sunday? And he said, we're going to be here at this time. And my dad said, okay. Um, Okay, yeah, that's, that's fine, that's good. So the gangsters left, and people in the church started to be very scared about what was going to happen. Now, you have to understand that police over there is not like here, you know. Something like that happened. You call the SWAT team, and, and, and they eliminate everything, you know, like in five minutes, and boom, 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 a couple of bumps, and, and you're done. If you're lucky enough, you know, to even count seconds. So during the week, my dad, you know, he gathered with a, a small group of men, and my dad told these men, when these gangsters show up next Sunday, all of us, all of us who are men, we're going to get together. We're going to take these gangsters. We're going to tie them down inside the church. I'm going to get my belt, and I'm going to whip three times on their back, you know, as soon as, you know, when that happens. And the men in the church were like, okay. Um, so this is my dad. You just got to understand, you know, my dad is a man of faith. So my dad says a lot of things that I'm like, dad, we can't do that. We shouldn't do that. It's too risky. No. And I'm just amazed at how God answers, you know, to him. So that Sunday came and they were having, oh, by the way, before Sunday, my dad went to the church, you know, on Friday to clean the church. And when he showed up at the church, guess what had happened? The locks had been changed. The locks were different. There's three doors, you know, before going into the sanctuary, and the gangsters had changed the locks. So my dad called um, the secretary from the church, and he said, can you please approve some funds so that we can change the locks back? So they approved the funds. They show up. They change the locks back so that the people, you know, would have access to the church. And that Sunday came, and they started the service. Everybody was really scared. And you have to know that over there, if you call the police, you are dead. I mean, if something is happening, it's got to be like a police officer seeing you exactly that something bad is happening and they get involved. But you just can't call the police and say, you know what, I've been threatened. This is going to happen. Please help me. You are dead in seconds. So they started the service and the gangsters show up. And when the gangsters show up, you know, they interrupted the service. 
they went inside and they started looking at everybody and my dad stopped the service. This happened about a month and a half ago. And while they were stopping the service, you know, to talk to the gangsters, uh, there were a few gangsters outside, you know, just making sure that everything was okay for them. And all of a sudden, a patrol car with about three to four police officers was passing by the church. They recognized one gangster that was outside. They got off the car and they pointed at the gangster, you know, with their with their guns and said, you, we know who you are. Come over here. So they handcuffed the guy and uh, they realized that something was happening in the church because there was a lot of people. Uh, there were a lot of people, you know, speaking very loud in a very loud voice. So they went inside and they saw about 15 to 20 gangsters, you know, that were spread out of the church. So these police officers, they got an iPad and they lined up all the gangsters inside the church while the people were watching and everybody, you, we're looking for you. You too, we're looking for you. They handcuffed every single gangster that showed up at the church. And never since, my dad says, those gangsters have never showed up at the church anymore. Now, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work with us or within us. And this is the key for the message today that you have to know, you have to understand that the power of God is working in you. And the situations that happen around us have a purpose. God is not in the business of hurting you. God is not in the business of making your life miserable. God is not in the business of making you trip and fall. God is in the business of making you grow so that you can grow others and his kingdom can grow and he can be glorified. So in order to understand this verse of the scripture, you have to know that what the apostle Paul says is that there is power and God is able and he can and he has all this power but that power is working within you. A few months ago here at the church, I preached a message that it was called the process of God, the process of change. And as soon as you remember, we spoke about the story of Joseph, how Joseph started being a slave and sold by his family to the Egyptians. And Joseph went through 14 years of slavery, betrayal, and, and things that he couldn't understand until God uh, completely got him out of the prison at the end where he was. God lift him up and God fulfilled the dreams that he had spoken to him about so many years before. And the book of Genesis says that when Joseph saw and recognized his brothers that they were coming now for food for him, he started connecting the dots. He started connecting, oh, that's the reason why I was betrayed. That's the reason why, you know, this lady, uh, she said a lie about me. And that's the reason why I was sent to jail. If I hadn't been in jail, then I wouldn't have learned these leadership abilities or I wouldn't have uh, developed, you know, my relationship with God, my prayer life with God, and every single situation in his life started to connect and make sense because there was a power, the power of the Holy Spirit working in his life so that God could use him for his kingdom. Now, a lot of times we forget, you know, as Christians that uh, just like I was in El Salvador um, a few weeks ago, a lot of us forget, you know, that as soon as you come out of the house and you're going to work, you are in the battlefield. Because as soon as you go outside, there's an enemy that the scripture says has come to steal, to destroy, and to kill. As soon as you go outside,
outside, you are in the battlefield. If you're home, you're kind of safe. But as soon as you go outside, you are in the battlefield with the enemy who wants to destroy and kill what God has done in your life or what God wants to do in your life. And it is important that you see the word of God just like it is. You know, the apostle Paul, when he was writing the letter to the Ephesians, he was in jail. You might think that the Apostle Paul, you know, was in a great mansion, you know, and having a cup of wine and enjoying his life. And he said, oh, my life is so good that I'm going to write this Bible verse now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And I'm going to send this verse so everybody gets encouraged. It wasn't like that. As a matter of fact, he was in prison and he was tied down to a soldier that was making sure that he wouldn't escape, that he wouldn't leave. However, during that situation, the Apostle Paul had the mentality, had the feeling, had the call to start writing the letter and said to the Ephesians, look, I'm in this prison, but God can set me free anytime if he wants to. I'm in this prison, but I can get out of here if I want to. I only have to ask God and he will set me free. So, and the officials got encouraged because they understood that the reason why he was in jail, he was in prison, was because God was going to use that circumstance to continue to grow the church, to continue to grow the gospel, and to continue to put faith in the hearts of the people who had believed in Jesus through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. So number one that we need to understand from this scripture is that God is able. I know that this is, a, this is one of the statements, you know, that we struggle with sometimes because we hear stories, right, about healing. We hear stories about God doing great things in other people's lives. And many times, you know, we ask ourselves, okay, God, yes, you know, that's you. Um, I believe in that. I believe that that's happening. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you don't believe it for yourself. You don't apply it, you know, to you. And it takes, you know, for you to understand that last part of the scripture where the Apostle Paul says that there's a power that is at work in you. There is power. There is a process. Philippians 1.6 says that he who started the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. The purpose for negative situations the purpose of adversity, the purpose of so many negative things coming into our lives is because God wants to grow something in our lives. God uses whatever the enemy wants to do against you. God uses that to create a, a better you, to create a better character in your life. If you would have told me when I was 15 years old, that in my years of adulthood, I was going to be preaching in English. I was going to be in the United States. That I was even going to speak English. I probably would have slapped you. Because I would have said, how dare you make fun of my current situation. During that time, you know, when I was 11 years old, we were going through the civil war in El Salvador. There were shootings all the times. 
and the guerrilla, you know, they would recruit teenagers, they would recruit children and put the children ahead of themselves so that the soldiers, you know, wouldn't kill them. So I was afraid of going outside. We were very poor. My dad was a pastor. I think everything that my dad got on a weekly basis was like a dollar, you know, in tithes and offerings. So we had a dollar to feed three people plus my father for seven days. It was really hard. And I have very deep in my memory one time when there was a big shooting that lasted for 10 hours. My dad wasn't home. Me and my brother and my sister, we hadn't been eating, you know, very well for like a whole week. And I remember that there were a bunch of beans, you know, fried beans uh, there in the kitchen. And we would go to those beans, look at them, and we'll be like, no, we don't want to eat that anymore. We're going to die because... Those are rotten, smell so bad, we don't even want to see them. And one of those days, you know, my sister and my brother, they were very young, uh, maybe eight and, and six years old, and, and they came to me and they asked me a question and they said, Franklin, what are we going to eat today? And I said, well, isn't there anything in the kitchen? And they said, yeah, the same beans, you know, from last week. And I remember that I told them, you know what? Go and sit down at the table. Just give me a few minutes. And I went to my room and I started crying. Because when you are 11 years old and you see your younger brother and sister coming to you and say, what are we eating? We're starving. And there's nothing you can do. So if you would have gone at that time to me and say, Franklin, someday you're going to be, you're going to speak English, by the way. You're going to speak English. One day, you're going to be preaching, you know, to Americans in the United States. One day, you will even have a car. One day, you know, you will, you, you will be, you know, wearing good clothes. Uh, not that I dress perfect, you know, right now. But if you had gone that time to me when I was 13 years old, and if you would have said that to me, I would have cried. I would have told you, please stop making fun of my situation. But you know what? So many years later, I can see why the Apostle Paul said, God can do more than you can ask or even things that you imagine because there is a power in you working in you right now. If I had, if I had never gone through the civil war, I would have never been pushed you know, to think about other options. If I had never seen my brother and my sister and maybe myself starving, I would have never developed a vision for my life. If I would have never seen all the things, you know, that I saw, you know, during that time, I would not be, I would not have a compassionate heart. And when people tell me their stories, you know, about their life, they may not have been through a civil work like, like I did, but they have had their worst in their lives when they grew up, and I feel compassion right away, and that's when I remember the words of the Apostle Paul, that even though he was in prison, when he wrote these words, he knew that God was able to change any situation at any moment, because there was a power in him that was changing his life and changing what was, what was available around him. I want to tell you right now that when you have a doubt in your mind or in your heart about what can God do, you know, we, we are very good at tricking ourselves out of miracles. Because we, when we doubt, you know, we say, okay, uh, God, I, I don't know. I don't think that you can do that. I mean, you can, but I don't know if you will do it with me. 
okay, God, yes, I hear about those things happening in other people, but I don't know if it will ever happen to me. So we always give doubt on the negative side, but we don't give doubt on the positive side. We never say, okay, but what if God doesn't? Okay, yeah, but what if God really changes that in my life? Okay, but what if God really does heal me? What if God really opens the door for me? What if, what if, what if? That's the point the Apostle Paul wants to do. He wasn't in a very positive, great situation in the moment. He was suffering, but you know, that suffering was nothing in comparison to what he believed that God would do. I don't know where you are right now in your life, but I can tell you that if you knew what if, what if God really does have this awesome plan for you that will totally blow your mind away, that will totally shock you, that will totally just show you that he was really paying attention to every single detail in your life? What if he really does? In my case, you know, like in the, in the case of the Apostle Paul, he decided to believe. Not only that, but he said immeasurably more. What God can do, you cannot even measure it. You, can even, you cannot put a distance. You cannot put a time frame. You cannot put, you know, requirements, conditions, because when God finally brings everything to completion in your life, you will be blown away just like Joseph. You know, at the end, Joseph, he had so much faith that he had already forgiven his brothers. He had already maybe moved on in his life. Yes, he remembered his family, but, you know, all of a sudden, Joseph starts seeing the people that betray him coming to him and asking for food. The Bible says that Joseph, as soon as he recognized his brothers, he kicked everybody out and he went to a room and he started crying and he started screaming so much of, 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 of his crying that people were scared and afraid of what might Joseph do to his brothers. The brothers, we know, were really scared. But during that crying, Joseph was not crying because he remembered how bad their brothers were. He was crying because he finally was able to connect the dots. Every single situation that happened in his life was a part of the process. Like the Apostle Paul says, God and his power is at work within you. He is working. He hasn't forgotten about you. And he started connecting the dots. Yes, now it makes sense. Now it makes sense why I stopped going to this place. Now it makes sense why I was betrayed. Now it makes sense why I was in slavery, you know, for a few years. Everything makes sense. God had it under control all this time. That's why Jesus tells us, you know, in the Gospels, do not have anxiety, do not be anxious, because God knows what he's doing with you every single day. So you cannot put a measure, you know, of what God can do in your life. Just remember this principle. This is a principle that has helped me out a lot. That from God's perspective, what happens in you is more important than what happens to you. The Apostle Paul says, yes, 
yes, God is able, yes, God can, and yes, God is, you cannot put measures on what God can do in your life, but remember, everything is a part of a work that Jesus is doing in your life. In Ephesians, um, Philippians 1, 6, again says that he who started the good work in you, he will carry it on to completion. So his work is happening in your life right now, even if you don't see it. So I don't know where you are in your situation right now, and I want to invite, you know, the worship team to come forward and start playing something, you know, while we close in prayer today. But I, I want to give you some encouragement right now today. When you go back to this week and you start working, and the enemy, you know, bring those doubts into your mind, into your heart, and saying, oh, yeah, that, you know, that sounds like a beautiful thing, but, you know, God maybe, God maybe forgot about you, or God maybe is not, you know, doing what he's supposed to with you. And, and when those doubts come, at least go to the positive side. What if God really does it? I mean, what if God really heals me? What if God really opens a door for me? What if God is really using this situation to take me further in the plan that he has for my life? Because remember that he who started the good work in you, he will complete it. What happens in you is more important for God than what happens to you. And that's what the apostle Paul understood Imagine that soldier. I mean, that soldier must have gotten saved. Because the Apostle Paul, even though he was tied to him and he was in prison, the Apostle Paul, maybe on his knees, maybe sitting down, but he was writing a letter to the Philippians, I mean to the Ephesians, and saying, Hey church, look, God is able. Look, God can do more. Look, your imagination is small in comparison to what God's ideas are. Look, God's plan is better and bigger for you than you can even imagine. And that's why the Apostle Paul, in the letter to the Ephesians in the last chapter, he talks about war. He talks, just remember that you are at war with someone who doesn't want you to believe, someone who wants to discourage you, someone who wants to destroy your life, that's why you have to put on the complete armor of God so that you can be ready in the day where you need and you go to battle. You can remember that the armor, the power that is working within you is stronger than any adversity that can come your way because God can do more. His plan is better. Your, your mistakes, your sins, your situations Thank you. 
Praise you.